talk about in the movie we're going to watch, Remember the Titans, I want to talk about something going on in America that we see time and again, or we see a lot of right now, and that's called division. Right now, this is a country, this is a state, this is a county, whatever you want to say, we are divided in, in this country. And you see it everywhere. You can see it in politics. All you got to do is just turn on the news and listen to Donald Trump or Joe Biden or anybody else or the talking heads, and you'll see division real quick. You see it in sports, right? If someone stands for the national anthem, you got to hear about that. If someone kneels for the national anthem, you got to hear about that, and it becomes a big deal, and people take sides over it. We're divided even when it comes to watching sports. How about schools? It's definitely a time where we're divided in schools. Everything is out there. Everybody's posting everything on social media related to like identity politics. I'm this, you're that. I'm this, you're that. You're this, you're that. And we kind of fracture ourselves and we put ourselves into groups. We divide up. What I just talked about, wearing a mask. You have the groups that say, absolutely wear a mask. You have the other groups that say, over my dead body. Interesting thing is, they end up dying, right? And it's like, wow, you could have put a mask on and saved your life. Another story for another time. But we see division everywhere. Now, division isn't just outside of the church. It's actually inside the church as well. And not even just other churches around the country or world. It's even here at All Saints. Right? If we open our eyes, we can find division here. Now, what's the answer to that? It's actually really simple. It's called get rid of the division and embrace unity. Now, I looked up unity. I always like definitions, right? Whenever I use a term, I want to know what it, what it means when I say something. So if I use the term unity, I want to know what I mean when I say unity. So if you go to Merriam-Webster, unity is defined as a condition of harmony or the quality and state of being made one. Now, harmony is an interesting thing, right? That's multiple notes of music coming together to form a chord that's pleasing to the ear. The opposite of harmony is dissonance. You know, you put certain notes together and it's like they're butting heads. It's no good. There's no harmony there. It's dissonance, right? So notes that come together to make one chord that's pleasing to the ear. That's a, that's a definition of unity. I like the other one too, the quality or state of being made one. And I think that hits closer to when we read our Bibles, what the Bible says about unity. And what would be like a biblical definition of unity? Well, something that I came up with is being one in purpose and goal spirit and vision so if we talk about unity in the church it means we have we have been made one when it comes to what our purpose as christians are what our goals are we're one in spirit and we're also one in an overall vision of what it means to be a christian and how to live out the christian faith in the world now this can get confusing because here we're Anglicans. You go across the street, they're Baptists. You go around the other corner, they're Lutherans and they're Presbyterians and Methodists. And it's like, wait a second, are we one or are we many? And we haven't even talked about the other Protestants or the Catholics or the Orthodox. And I like how one person said it, and I can't remember where I heard it now, but I was watching some video and talking about the different traditions in Christianity, the Baptists, the Methodists, the Lutherans, Anglicans, Presbyterians. They kind of said it this way. Anglican would be like an accent. Baptist would be like another accent. Lutheran would be like another accent. But we all speak the same language. Now, if you think about that in America, that's how it works. You go to Texas, and they're speaking English. But it doesn't sound like the English that we speak here. You go to Boston, they're speaking English. 
definitely doesn't sound like the English we're speaking here. You go to Portland or California, real laid back, and say, hey, bro, what's going on? I listen to a pastor in Portland, and it sounds like he should be on the beach surfing every time I listen to him. Different accent, same language. So our language is Christianity. Our accents can be our denominations. So you see how you can actually have diversity, but you still have unity. Multiple accents, one language. Multiple traditions or denominations, but one faith. That's the Christian faith. So I think that's a great way to say it. Unity also doesn't mean uniformity. Now, if you think about a uniform, uniforms are where everybody wears the same thing, right? I, I teach at a private school. These kids have the same thing on khakis, blue polo, brown shoes, brown belt. They all look the same. That's uniformity. That's not the same thing as unity. You can have a diversity and still have a unity. Now, what's an example of that? I think it's when we look at the creeds. Now, if you think about every Sunday when you're at church here at All Saints, after the sermon, we all stand up and we, we profess or confess our faith in the words of the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of all things, visible and invisible. Now, when you go through that whole creed, that would be an example of where we're united. And then other areas that aren't mentioned in the creed, we can have a diversity of thought. So it's not the same as uniformity. You can think differently about some things, but you're going to have a baseline where you're going to be united on certain things. Does that make sense? Okay. Now, I think there are three points. So I'm going to give you tonight three quick points about Christian unity and why we should pursue it. First point is this. Unity is a sign of spiritual maturity. Now, uh, just as we mature and we grow spiritually, we also mature and grow physically. I know teenagers can relate to this when it comes to maturation and growth, right? You can think of that in different ways. Uh, one of the ways we can think about that is as we mature and grow, we find out that we need to wear deodorant. We find out that we need to brush our teeth more, things like that. Uh, so we see where we develop physically. And I think there's an analogy there spiritually. Just as we develop and we grow physically, we develop and we grow spiritually. I think it's important to understand as well in spiritual growth, and this comes as the, the deeper that you go with God and the more that you grow with God, one of the things you start realizing is it's not all about the individual. It's not all about you. That's probably the one phrase I heard the most when I was training to be a priest. Every class, every professor, all the time, it's not about you. It's about the other person. And I think when we have this spirit of unity, we start seeing that more and more. The interesting thing is when Cain killed his brother Abel and God said, where is Abel? Cain said, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? The answer is yes. You are your brother's keeper. But you can't be your brother's keeper or your sister's keeper if there isn't unity. Without that unity, we're not watching each other's backs. We're not each other's keepers. And I think that's an important thing to remember. Next, the Bible tells us to pursue unity, right? This is actually something that the Bible says, do this. Now, it was a characteristic of the early church. If you read in the book of Acts, you only got to get to chapter two, and it talks about how the early Christians were united. They had all things in common, and they were in one accord. The word accord means like in one spirit or also being in harmony with each other. 
And that was like one of the major characteristics of the early church. We were, all the Christians were together and they were in one spirit, one mind, one accord. I think also when you read through the letters of Paul, anybody know how many letters in the New Testament Paul wrote? Anybody got any idea? How many books are in the New Testament? Does anybody know? Nobody knows? Nobody knows the New Testament? Go, Ivy. 66, that's the whole Bible. How about New Testament? 27. Close, right? Out of those 27 books, the Apostle Paul is credited with writing at least 13. Some like to give him 14 books. And over and over again in his letters or epistles that he wrote, he talks about unity. He's always telling the people that he's writing to about pursuing unity. So in Galatians, he says this. He says, there is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. You are all one. In the book of 1 Corinthians, he talks about the, the, the gifts in the body, right? And he talks about um, unity and diversity in the body of Christ. And he says this, Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all of its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many parts. That's all of us as individuals. But then he finishes the passage with this. But in fact, God has placed the parts in the one body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. As it is, there are many parts, but one body. So again, Paul is stressing, there's many parts, but the many make up one whole. And if you remember, maybe you've heard this before, the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. If we all separate and we just say, I'm just going to count for myself, we're not nearly as great or as valuable or as strong as when we come together as one. The whole is greater than the sum of its parts. And then in Philippians, right, he writes to the church at Philippi and he says this, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of others. Remember how I said just a few minutes ago, it's not about you? Guess what Paul's saying right here? It's not about you. Don't look after your own interests, but look after the interests of others we are each other's keepers that's why i got to look at you and say luke i got your back mary i got your back and the response is i know jed and i got yours i know jed and i got yours we are each other's keepers my last point is this and this i think is the biggest one Paul talked about it. The early church looked like it. But Jesus, the night before he dies, and he prays for his disciples. These are like some of his most important words. What does he pray for? That we would be one. That's what he prays for. He prayed for us to be united. Why? 
not just because we'd have warm fuzzies and we'd be happy with each other and we could be cool, but because we actually reflect or show God to the world when we're united. When we're divided, people that aren't Christians look at us and laugh at us and say, you're no different than the rest of us. You act just like we do. When we're united, they look at us and say, why are you different? You guys should be fighting with each other. Why are you not fighting with each other? And we say, that's not how we roll here. We're united. We're one. Right? So in John 17, and this is my favorite gospel of all four gospels. I love the gospel of John. But his, his last words in his great prayer in John 17, he prays this for us. He says, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Now, I don't know if you caught that, but I'll tell you what, what John was saying there, quoting Jesus. Your testimony, how many people in here believe in Jesus? Raise your hand, you believe in Jesus? Okay. Your testimony that you believe in Jesus is best expressed by how you live in unity with the person you're sitting next to right now, the person you're going to sit next to tomorrow, the person that you're going to sit next to in two weeks. If we are united, our testimony for Jesus is right down the toilet. The whole point of being united is to reflect God to this world and to give testimony to the truth of Jesus. Our unification is our testimony. Our division is our testimony not for Christ, but against Christ. So what's the best way? I think there's two ways. What's the one of the best ways to show that we actually believe about Jesus, what we believe about Jesus in our head and hearts? is to live out our faith in unity. The other way is to love one another. Jesus said in just a few chapters earlier in John, John 13, the world will know you're my disciples by how you love one another. And here's the trick. You can't love somebody if you're not united with them. It's impossible, right? The two are inextricably linked, meaning they can't come apart. There's one, two, three, four, five people in here that are married, out here that are married. And if you ask them what it means to love someone, they're going to talk about being one with the person that they're married to. There's no way they could say, yeah, we don't consider ourselves one, but we love each other fully. It just doesn't work that way. I can tell you personally, when Emily and I, if we're kind of like, for whatever reason, we're just not on that same page, the first thing that comes in my head is I start thinking, we're not on the same team, something's wrong. There's division here. And that division is from the evil one. It's not from God. And so I'm quick to say, hey, let's get on the same page. Let's get on the same team. That's one of my favorite ways to express being unified is to say, we're on the same team. So I look at Jason and I say, Jason, we're on the same team. I'll look at John and say, John, we're on the same team. Riley, we're on the same team. Levi, we're on the same team. Addy, we're on the same team. If I start looking at people and I'm saying, they're not on my team. They're not my friend. They're my enemy. 
and there's only one person that's smiling at that. That's the evil one. So we want to avoid that. So again, three quick points. One, it's a characteristic of the early church. Two, the Bible tells us to pursue unity. And three, Jesus actually prayed for us to be united so that we could reflect God to the world. So that's how we want to think about this. Great movie that shows what it means to be united. Remember the Titans. And if, if any of you haven't seen this movie, for those of you that have, you know the story well. This is a high school right, just right up the road, right? 30 minutes away in Alexandria. Because this is a state that at one point was divided, right? It's a segregated state. Blacks and whites, they didn't go to school together. Well, that's what this movie is about. Now, to wrap this up before we watch the movie, uh, you can notice I'm the only one with it on right now. But I got this t-shirt. You should be able to recognize this symbol. If you've ever been in our church, you've seen it before the Jerusalem cross. There are a couple people that I asked to design a t-shirt for All Saints Youth Group. Now, that's what the ASY on the front means, All Saints Youth. On the back, it talks about how we're overcoming 2020 together. If this has ever been a year for division, this is it, right? 2020 has just busted everything up, so much division all over the place. And I thought something that would be nice that could bring us together would be to get a t-shirt made. And it's not just about wearing a t-shirt and keeping it in our head, but it's actually a heart issue. So it's like taking a t-shirt and saying, this is the outward sign. The inward reality is that in our hearts, we're saying, we are coming together as one. To go along with the t-shirt, there's a wristband. And the wristband has the same logo on it, that Jerusalem cross, and it's got the same slogan that you'll see on the back of the t-shirt. It says, Overcoming 2020 Together. Now, I've got a t-shirt for everybody here, right? And I've got a wristband for everybody here. So I'm going to pass those out, and we can start the movie.